You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of the Talking Shop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and joining me today is the former host and still frequent contributor slash visitor slash emeritus member, Carlos Colazzo. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? How's it going? Thanks for having me, as always. It's always uh, fun to get on the Talking Shop podcast again. And uh, episode 37, wow, this thing's been going for, uh, for a good while now. Can't wait to get to triple digits oh man yeah we, we got a little while to go there before we get triple <laughs> digits but uh yeah it's good to have you it's been a while uh, i guess for you at least in terms of uh, having you on most guests of mine don't come on as often as you do but still, oh really kind well, of surprising and then scott, I, I feel like I mean, it's flattering yeah my my rotation is generally a lot of scott and uh eric uh recently but yeah. uh, other than those two guys who were actually on the staff you would mm. be the next person Mr. Chetikan on staff, or are you? I don't I'll know. take it. That's awesome. You're like in this hybrid emeritus role, so it's nice to have you. <laughs> and you're not, and you're home from San Diego. Last time I talked to you, you were in San Diego, so yeah, back on the East Coast. So uh, sleep schedule's still a little off, but uh, it's nice to be back on the East Coast where everything happens. Um, and actually, I came back. Yeah, exactly. I came back from San Diego, the beautiful weather, and uh, just went through a hurricane. So that was that was interesting. A little. Shock back to reality, I guess. My vacation in San Diego is really over. A little bit different than San Diego, I'd imagine. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> uh, and, of course, now you can get back to being a uh, hashtag true Braves fan because you are not allowed to be a fan of a team if you analyze another team. Yeah, true. And it's, it's, it's really weird because I feel, like I've, I feel like my followers are probably really confused at this point. First, I was doing UNC stuff. Then I did Braves. I mean, I've always done Braves stuff just because I've followed them the most. Then then Padres stuff. So who knows who's following me at this point on Twitter. I've been all over the place. But yes, it is nice to be back here, keeping up with the Braves a little bit more than I was able to do in San Diego. And obviously, that's the team that is uh, closest to my heart. So I don't know if I can claim to be a Braves fan after all this stuff that I've done, but but definitely the team that I care most about. I understand. Yeah, fan is a weird word for people like us that cover this stuff right. you know, professionally <laughs> slash semi-professionally. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> since since you've been on the podcast, uh, we've talked a lot about Brian Snicker, so I have to ask you what you thought about the managerial choice, whether you were happy with it, whether you were bored with it, how, how you felt about the uh, the new face of the Atlanta Braves in terms of the uh, the manager. Uh, I, I will let you do this because I've talked about mm-hmm. my sticker far too much, but I want to keep <laughs> up on this one. No, yeah, I feel like I won't go too long on this just because I'm sure everyone has heard a lot about Snicker and there have been a lot of opinions thrown around, but I'm glad you used the word bored because that's probably the best word you could describe my reaction to the hiring. I kind of felt like it was inevitable that Snicker was going to be hired just based on the stuff you heard about all the players loving him and the turnaround obviously being credited to him, whether or not it should have been. 
uh, is probably up for debate, and a lot of people probably understand that it's not entirely up to him. But, I mean, I don't have too many problems with it. I would like to see the team go after a more progressive manager. Honestly, like a, a hiring of someone like an Andy Green or Dave Roberts type that you didn't really hear about a lot before but had um, maybe a more progressive role as an assistant coach on another team before, just kind of giving a new guy a new face, some new some new thought processes in the managing role, uh, being a hiring for the Braves, that would have been exciting to me. But uh, I feel like there was never any any kind of rumor of that happening. And given with how much the players like Snicker and approve of this, I feel like it, it doesn't really hurt. Like I've talked before about how I don't think a manager is responsible for much uh, in regards to how well or how poorly your team performs. It's really more on the players. I think there's a 538 piece that I talk about all the time that says managers are basically plus or minus two wins for a team, regardless of how good they are. So it's not a big deal. It's kind of boring to me, but if the players like it and they're happy in the clubhouse, I guess that that matters more because we really can't quantify um, clubhouse chemistry, I guess. So yeah, it's, it's whatever. I, I did have two things. I went, one, one of them is, a, is actually a listener question, so I wanted to get to. But mm-hmm. first one, I kind of ranted and raved about the one-year contract. Uh, not, I know it's not a one-year contract technically because there's a team option. Mm-hmm. But does that strike you as odd like it did for me? Like I, It felt like the ultimate hedge. And like I guess if <laughs> on, on one hand, if the Braves can do it and get the guy to sign the contract, then it's a low-risk mm-hmm. situation for them. It just felt like they weren't exactly convinced or inspired by the hiring yeah, of the no, manager. It's definitely interesting to think about that. I don't know uh, what the length of managerial contracts are in general. Obviously, only, they're shorter than players. but Yeah, I did a little bit of research on this. Like. There have there been a go. couple of times recently where it's been like one, there there have been some one year trial guys like Walt Weiss who had basically mm-hmm. never coached baseball anywhere <laughs> at any level, but like a guy like Snicker who has been in room like most guys when they get their contract it's it's usually three years or more like yeah uh, okay occasionally you'll get you'll get a two plus one but very rarely will you get a, a one year guarantee on a, on a brand new manager it's very mm-hmm. strange it is interesting and um, honestly it might just be. Here's here's a dark horse theory from me, probably based on nothing oh, of substance, this. nothing I've done. But, um, but Snickers has been a guy that's been around the uh, the team for forever now, and uh, maybe this one year thing is just kind of a reward for him to uh, manage another season. Uh, maybe raise his his resume a little bit more, and I, I don't know, kind of give him that reward. And if they weren't really planning on going with him in the future. You can give them that one-year contract so they can't say they didn't ever give them the chance to manage the team. And maybe when they know they're going to be competitive again, intent not next season, they can uh, get the manager they actually want. But that's probably a little too out there. It would be awesome to me if that was their mentality because a progressive manager might be uh, running the team in two years, but who knows. I think you're probably right, though. They really just kind of don't really have too much faith in him, but... I think so it was uh, yeah. kind of kind of I, the thing to do. I think they just appeased everybody. You know, the, yeah. player, the players wanted Snicker, which is fine. This way, see, and that and that just like emphasizes the boring definition for this hiring. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it so is, man, it's boring. Like the players wanted him, so they said, "All right, players, we'll hire the guy." But by yep. the way, we're giving him one year, so if he's bad, we could fire him in July and basically <laughs> owe him no money. Like, I, I mean, I'm not even kidding. If, if this team underachieves. Like based on whatever their expectations are, they could fire him at the All Star break. Wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all. Which that just looks insane to me. But 
I think the just the lack of search that they actually did. You know, they did interview some candidates, but the, the guys two, they interviewed weren't yeah, really I mean, exciting to me either. The two external candidates were Ron Washington, <laughs> who they couldn't possibly hire because of the like the off the off field stuff alone would yep. be enough to not hire Ron Washington. And then mm-hmm. Bud Black's a legitimate candidate, but like he was the only guy that they talked to. Yeah, it was just weird. I mean, see that whole time there there was never any you never heard about them interviewing some young guy you've never heard about. I guess I just keep going back to that. I don't want a progressive manager. Well, but no, I mean, I actually, that's actually that. the second question we got was um, from Sam Ruffner, at Sam Ruffner on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. He asked, you know, he basically says, you guys have, re- have re- mentioned repeatedly that Snicker's not a good tactical or progressive manager. I guess he, his question is, what kind of tactical decisions would you disagree with? And it's not really about that for me, but that's, mm-hmm. that was the question. But like, what do you, when you say progressive, what do you mean? Just so we can get that out there. So for me, it's more it, it's more about just understanding that the game has changed uh, in the front office and how teams evaluate players and how you use information on a daily basis. Um, and understanding that you don't manage a bullpen based around a stat is worthless as a save. Um, utilizing shifts more often. I think Andy Green is a is a guy I really respected and came to like a lot about what he did this season with the Padres. I think he's probably one of the more progressive managers, at least that I know about. Um, obviously excluding guys like uh, Madden who are at the forefront of this, but just guys who, who are constantly looking for that extra information that the sabermetrics guys are co- constantly touting. I mean, you talked to Freddie Gonzalez last year. He doesn't he doesn't really dive into that stuff. He's not really curious about that stuff. He kind of manages in an old school way, and I think that's okay. Like you, you might not necessarily have to have your manager jumping on all these statistics, but as long as there's some sort of voice uh, in the management of your team, whether that's an assistant coach or maybe the front office is a little more involved in those kind of decisions. I just like to see the team being managed in a way that's not straight out of the seventies, I guess. I don't know if that's too general for, for what the question was asking about, but that's, no, that's kind that, of my thought, my I, thought on the whole thing. I think that's good. It's just for me, like I'm talking about, you know, bullpen management's the most, one of the most obvious things where mm-hmm. like you're not, you mentioned the save stat. I think sticker was pretty, uh, Pretty X's and O's, like black and white, when, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, playing to you know the closer in the ninth inning, and that's kind of yeah. the way it is. Um, lineup construction is another thing, like not hitting bad guys second, for mm-hmm. instance. Like we're yeah, I know you're big on the hitter. lineup construction. I agree. I mean, with I'm not well. like I, I probably sound like I'm more into it. Than I, I actually, I feel am. like I tag you with that. Maybe I'm just tagging no, you that's fair. Much. <laughs> I rant, I rant to rave about it a lot. So like that's fair. I just think that's a it's a very easy example to understand for casual mm-hmm. fans, even that like. Yep you should hit your best guys at the top of the lineup and like best guys does not mean like your random number two, like random second baseman hits second every time. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. So Snicker, I, I don't think he's awful. I really don't. Like, I think he was actually from the limited sample we saw, and that should be said that like, this is not like he was managing in a playoff situation like yeah. Freddie has, but the limited sample, I think he could be an upgrade on Gonzalez in that way. But at the same time, I think I would much rather have somebody who's more versed in, the numbers and the math and just kind of yeah. and shifts and things like that, that are more progressive. Like progressive is a good word. I think that you're using. Of yeah. Just and what I, I, want. I think it, I should also point out that I don't think it's impossible to win with a manager. Who's not of this mold. I mean, Ned Yost won with the Royals last year. So if you have the right players, I generally think you can win with anyone, like regardless of, of what kind of philosophy you're bringing, you can win if you have the right players. But if we're if we're picking nits, then yeah, I'm gonna I want to go with the guy who's a little more into sabermetrics and how to implement that in a uh, practical situation. 
Yeah, I mean, I hope it works out, honestly. Snickers seems like a great guy. Everybody loves him. Everybody mm-hmm. that's covered him loves him, even. Like, it's not just players. Like, the media yeah, guys Yeah, props love to him, him for, for getting the job. Yeah, I mean, Kringer, I, I, I've been pretty negative on it. But at the same time, like, I'm glad that he's going to get a shot just for mm-hmm. personal stuff. But hopefully that works out and they don't have to be doing this all again in a year. And if they have to do it in a year, I'm really hoping they actually do a, a wide search instead of what they did this time. Yeah. You're one of those guys from Cleveland that seems to be jumping to every organization at this point. Yeah, I mean, go find somebody. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, too much managerial talk, um, but we had we had to do it with you. Uh, that's just what happens. Uh, a bit of uh, sad slash concerning news that we won't spend too too much time on, but actually the one piece of actual news the Braves had this week was Matt Marksberry, a uh, 26-year-old left-hander who's been uh, up and down with the Braves organization. He spent mo- most of last year in Gwinnett, but did have some time in the majors um, he, uh, several days, uh, basically in the last week or two spent several days in a medically induced coma after having a surge, a seizure and suffering a collapsed lung, uh, during a colonoscopy, just an odd and really kind of, um, uh, you know, upsetting and unfortunate story from Marksbury. Um, he is awake now and, uh, apparently doing okay from all reports. But, mm-hmm. uh, before he went to the hospital, he was complaining of stomach pains for like a week. The only, uh, response so far from the Braves is that, he was suffering from, and I quote, severe dehydration. But the Braves basically acknowledge that they that they, they they can't say a whole heck of a lot because of HIPAA rules. So mm-hmm. it's one of those situations where I'm not trying to get you know speculative on what's going on there, but more so to just say I uh, hope Matt Marksbury uh, recovers quickly because this is pretty scary stuff for a 26 year old guy. Yeah, this is one of those things that just kind of came out of nowhere, and it seemed to be one of those just freak injuries. Um, but yeah, hopefully he's doing well. I know Marksbury. Is one of the more vocal uh, Braves players on Twitter, at least, at least in my uh, from my perspective. Um, but he seems like a nice guy, and obviously, you don't want anything like this happening to anybody. But um, it's good to hear that he's doing well of late, and I'm sure we'll uh, get more news in the in the coming days about how he's doing. But yeah, best wishes and, and thoughts and prayers for him. Yeah, I just want to get that out there just for people that, uh, for some reason, if, they, if you use this podcast as news, uh, then that's, that was <laughs> then you're, the you're a week behind on your news. Yeah, every week. You're, you're definitely a few days behind <laughs> on that one, but hey, it's uh, worth worth mentioning and uh, prayers up for Matt Marksbury. Yeah. Uh, the other piece of uh, somewhat news um, is that the Brian McCann, Mike Fultonavich rumor is back, Carlos. We've talked about this on the podcast. That's how, that's how long it's been going. We've actually talked about this already, but for some reason this week it bubbled up again. There was a couple of stories about McCann uh, being shopped by the Yankees, mm. and for some reason Brian Cashman thinks he's actually going to get Michael Fultonavich in an exchange. Uh, your your thoughts, sir? Knowing full well that yeah. McCann passed through waivers, by the way, meaning that no one could, no one wanted him with mm-hmm. with the caveat that they wouldn't have to trade anything, and that, now they want to trade. Now they want the Braves to include their essentially the number one pitching prospect for him. Like, My thoughts are basically Brian Cashman got a little high at the trade deadline after having those steals, and he's coming for Copy's uh, role as the uh, the best trading GM in the league. So he wants to um, rip off John Coppolella to uh, to take that kind of title from him. That That's the only explanation for me because Fultonevich and or endurance Yarte for Brian McCann makes no sense to me in any situation uh, considering how Brian McCann has played lately, his age, his contract situation. So that doesn't make any sense. And I was uh, glad when the Braves, Braves fans on Twitter – rightfully ripped those rumors and it seems like the Braves shut those down as well um it worries me a little I'll say this that like I feel like any trade scenario that involves one of the young guys now is going to get killed by Braves Twitter like in this case they were correct because giving up Fulton Mm -hmm. Davis right now for McCann would be very very (laughs) bad 
So like, I don't want, it's not that much of an overreaction. I just, I, I fear mm-hmm. that like down the line, there's going to be this big trade that the Braves make and fans are going to be upset because they traded prospects because they love the prospects. Like, yeah, it's gonna be, this that, is, that transition phase is going to be very interesting. It seems like we're kind of hitting that spot that we were in a few years ago when the Braves had uh, Tate when Tehran was still a prospect, Arroz Vizcaino, Randall Delgado, and uh, Tommy Hansen was he's he the last one. Yeah, I mean, Arroyo originally the first time. Yeah, Arroyo was in it, but like I remember people freaked out anytime any the of those Delgado guys were trade. mentioned in trades. Yep. Yeah, people weren't happy about that. I, I feel like it's easy for. Um, fans to get attached to these prospects who they've heard such good things about and who they have such high hopes for. It's, it's easy to do that and it's understandable. Um, but yeah, we're getting to that point where some of these guys are going to be, are starting to be dealt. Hopefully if the Braves are going to be competing and, uh, it will be uh, tough for some people to kind of take an objective view and kind of, kind of realize what their real value is. But in this situation, I mean, Fulton is more valuable than Brian McCann. I don't even know, like, I know there are t- not a ton of great catching options at this point, but would you even want Brian McCann back on the team? Um, I guess this comes with a caveat. If, if you think the Braves are going to be competitive, do you think he's a valuable piece to have if Tyler Flowers is already going to be part of the equation? Because I think at this point, Tyler Flowers is just as good as Brian McCann, if not better. I think he had a he had a better hitting season slightly. And uh, I know Tyler Flowers can't throw anyone out on the bases, but Brian McCann was throwing out like... 22%, which is his worst of his career. So it seems like that aspect of his game is kind of trending in the in the wrong direction as well. Yeah, I'm actually in on the McCann thing. Um, only, mm. you know, within reason, though. Like, I, I, again, I would not trade Mike Fulton yeah. for him. Um, I think Flowers' offense last year was a bit flukish. It was clearly the best year of his career, and that doesn't usually happen for guys mm-hmm. who are 30 years old. So I'm a little bit worried about Flowers as a full-time starter. I probably wouldn't want that. And the Braves have been kind of... Uh, open in the fact that they would like to upgrade a catcher and that, mm-hmm. that, that probably means somebody to pair with flowers because as you mentioned the catching options are not great you know wilson ramos was kind of the one guy and he tore his acl in in august or september so that's not great now and uh, you know matt weeders is an option that i really kind of hate so mccann being a, a prime trade candidate makes a ton of sense because of for, for the obvious reason that he has ties mm-hmm. to organization but it's a shorter contract it's two years while McKen's probably a little bit overpaid right now, it's not a ton overpaid based on what you actually, yeah, he's, you know. He's getting $17 million the next two years, is that what it is? Yeah, that's, you know, it sounds like a lot of money, but yeah. with, with what you actually pay for a win, quote-unquote, in, in war, like, mm-hmm. that's about right. Like, he's about, I think he's probably, you know, a one-and-a-half or two-win player per season right now. Like, in, yeah, if you placed him in like a 70-30 or 65-35 split with Flowers, that'd be really good, I think. Um, in terms of catcher, in terms of catcher, catcher position, uh, when compared to everybody else in the league, it's just that you don't want to pay too much in terms of prospects. If you can, if, if you if you're asking me right now if I would take on McCann's contract, then absolutely. It's just whether I would want to trade, you know, a couple of B level prospects for it, maybe, but certainly not Fulton. Like anybody on the top fifteen of the prospect list, I wouldn't trade for McCann. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Because only, yeah, only, only because the Braves prospect prospect list is very very good. So like yeah. the top fifteen guys are all like legitimate prospects. So I guess if you were going after McCann, who's kind of the guy that you base your trade around him for, or do you even want to get that far into? I mean, the I would probably. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really all about what the Yankees want. I, I would mm-hmm. assume they want pitching. Sounds like they want. I would just avoid like <laughs> your top seven or eight pitching prospects. Like I wouldn't go 
I wouldn't trade Allard or Freed or Fultonavich or Newcomb or Soroka. Like, I wouldn't go there with those guys. Like, I'd probably trade Malik Smith. Oh, sure. I would do that. <laughs> I would. Like, I would do that. I would do, like, the next team. Like, down. I feel like that's like, a fair place to start. Like, I, I might do Mueller or something like that. Like, one mm-hmm. of the next tier down prospects. I'm trying to think of a guy, like, oh, what's his name? Um... Like if like a package of like Tyrell Jenkins and something else, sure. Like whatever it is, like that whatever that second tier guys, I would be willing to do. I just don't want to be paying too much in terms of prospects in order to take on McCann's contract. Now, if the Yankees want to do a combo deal where they're paying, you know, part of the deal, then yeah, up your up your asking price. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like right now New York wants the Braves to take all of the contract and then trade Mark Fultonavich, which is that's not that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of teams, uh, well, I don't know if this is the case, but you hear a lot about the Braves having more money than they've had in a while. So That's true. The Braves might not be able to get away with uh, having teams eat salary depending on uh, well, who they're I'm, going after. Honestly, I'd rather pay his whole salary and trade, I think so trade too. a lesser prospect at this point. I, like, I would probably agree with that. They have the Obviously, flexibility. I'm not giving the money. But. Yeah, right now, especially because it's a short-term deal. You know, none of, the, none of the guys that you really, like your core, outside of Freeman, your core is very cheap right now. So mm-hmm. the fact is, like, down the road, you don't want to be taking on huge money. But right now, like, you almost want to spend more now. You, like, your payroll is going to have to go up to be competitive. That's a way to do it on, on a responsible level because most of the time, like, anybody on the actual free agent market that's any, that's any good is going to want three, four, five years. And you're not going to be you're, – you're probably not going to want to do that. You might have to eventually. But McCann being cost-controlled a short mm-hmm. period of time makes him a lot more attractive to me. Are you concerned at all with uh, McCann's splits, his uh, lefty-ready splits, and his power, lack thereof, on the road away from Yankee Stadium? Yeah, a little bit. I think that's a legit concern for me. For sure. I think there's certainly – I think expectations would have to be in line with what he actually is now. Like, he's not Mm -hmm. the guy he used to be. Like oh, no. any number that you see, you can kind of point that out. But I think a lot of Braves fans, if they trade for McCann, are going to think that Brian McCann in capital letters is back. And the like, only good thing about him coming back would be he could finally grow out that beard again and he oh would look yes. normal. Yeah, but. that'd be that'd be a win for sure. <laughs> but like he'll be thirty three when the season starts. Like that's you know, I don't think it's risky to sign him because I think it'd be pretty crazy if he was suddenly just unplayable. Mm-hmm. But like I think he'd he he you'd be, you'd be getting him with the expectation that he would only play you know three out of every five games or four out of every seven. Like you still have Flowers. That's a nice guy to have as a second yeah. catcher. That's great. And that, that combination, I think, would make you one of the, you know, probably the 10 best catching situations in the entire league because of how bad catcher is in general. Like, mm-hmm. look around the league, man. Most teams have awful it's catching thin. situations. It's thin. Yeah. I mean, the Braves last year with Flowers and Przinsky and then Flowers and Anthony Recker were bad, but it was only because Przinsky was a black hole. Like, once Przinsky left, like, the Braves had a, you know, basically a league average catching, catching situation. And while mm-hmm. that, that's funny because it sounds like it would be awful. With flowers and Anthony Record, right. like wow, that it sounds does. terrible. But it wasn't like Record's not a guy I'm building around. But like, if they had to go in the next year with those two guys, like it's not good, but it's not a disaster mm. either. I agree with that. I agree with basically everything you're saying on this. So I'd be interested. I'd be interested <clears> in. It. I just think McCann stuff's not going to go away uh, at least until the season starts. Mm. Um, if he's not, if he's on the Yankees, or or until he gets traded somewhere else. I think McCann's going to get traded from the Yankees. They had Gary Sanchez. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for them to keep McCann on the roster when he's. I mean, right now he's basically a DH first baseman. Like he's not going. He barely. He's barely. He's barely going to catch there at all. 
Yep. And that makes no sense at all. So uh, look for that. Look for them to trade him, and maybe it's to Atlanta, maybe not. But I would rather have him than Matt Wieters. I will. I will certainly say that, especially because you're going to have to give Matt Wieters a longer contract. No thanks. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Um, a couple of other things for before we get in the mailbag. We have some fun mailbag questions, so we'll get into those. But Mark Bowman, your former, I guess, boss, colleague, whatever you would say, I, my idol, your idol, Mark Bowman, the legend. Yeah. Uh, came out with an interesting mailbag of his own this week that I thought unearthed some interesting stuff. Uh, first off, uh, he says the Braves have, and I quote, made it clear that their primary offseason focus will be to land a couple of starting pitchers and a catcher. Uh, but he did, but they did not rule out. He did not rule out third base, but he specifically mentioned a couple of starting pitchers and a catcher. That's kind of in line with what we what, we, what we've been hearing from Copy and John Hart. Although mm-hmm. I guess the question I would have for you is how in the world are they going to add two starting pitchers because they keep saying they don't want to get into free agency and that's kind of the only way to add pitchers. I don't know. It's yeah, very strange. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm starting to think lately that the Braves are kind of make a, a big splash. I know I said earlier that I didn't think the Braves were going to get any kind of big name starting pitchers, but there are a few interesting guys on the trade market who might, I mean, there's definitely incentive to be dealt. I know we have a question about Justin Verlander later that we can get into but it sounds like they're gonna go a little bit big in 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 at least one starting pitcher and i'd be really excited for that i don't remember the last time the braves really made a big starting pitching acquisition trying to think of the last guy they brought in there was kind of like a big deal javier vasquez probably yeah and even at the time like like he he performed so much better than expected. Like, what did they acquire him? When wasn't he like a number three starter when they acquired him? Yeah, he was more of an innings eater, and then he suddenly yeah. turned into like this top twenty guy in the league. When they yeah, so him, that, that nice. would be fun, and it would definitely point point signs to uh, the Braves thinking they can actually compete. But I don't really know. This offseason is going to be super interesting because this is the crossroads. This is where they're deciding, hey, we're going for it, or hey, we need another year, and we're really going to get a much better idea of where this Braves rebuild is at at this point. I, I mean, I have no idea who they're going to go after. Uh, the free agents look terrible, like you said. Um, it's going to be fun, though. I know that. I thought it was interesting that he specifically mentioned, and this is, not, this is definitely Bowman relaying information that he has, not him just mm-hmm. speculating, um, that catcher would be a higher priority than third base is, is weird to me. I think, I think third base is a worse situation right now mm-hmm. than catcher is. I, I think guess, the only... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I, there we go. <laughs> no, I, I think, think the <laughs> only we're going to keep doing this. We're on the same wavelength, yeah, Brad. Go ahead. You're good. I think that uh, I guess the only the only reason there is that at least at third base you have some guys in the pipeline who could be dudes that you you re- relied on in the future with Rio Rees and uh, Austin Riley. Like those guys, you could make an argument that they could be guys that you could rely on in the future. At third, and with catcher, you really don't have a guy that's close, and the only guy you could probably point to is Lucas Herbert. He's the only guy I would think of, sure. so maybe that's their reasoning with that. They just they really don't expect anyone to come out of the pipeline to help fill that need. Um, and I guess that's that's probably the uh, the biggest or the best explanation I could give you. Yeah, it makes Is sense. That, do you buy that? Is that not enough? No, I think I think you're right about it. I just don't. I'm not yeah. sure that's the reason. I think they might think Garcia is better than he is, which worries me. Um, mm. You know, some of the stuff that we heard last last off season, and granted, most of it was from Freddie Gonzalez, who's no longer around. But they clearly value Garcia enough to kind of enter the season again with him as like one of the guys at third. And while he's not horrific, like he's not a starting third baseman on a good mm-hmm. team, I just don't see that. 
but maybe they think Ruiz is going to be better than I think he's going to be. I think Ruiz is sort of a fringy, fringy guy long term. But maybe he mm-hmm. maybe he pans out and catcher, you know, catcher worries me more than I think most people do. I probably more than you do because I think you like flowers more than I do. But at the same time, like I think they're both interesting spots and really the outfield too. I mean, we talked a ton about the outfield during the off season, even during even during the season about like. I really don't like Kemp and Marquecas playing in the same outfield. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to go away in my opinion. Um, and at this point, I think that they probably keep everybody, which, you know, I, I, I would, I would disagree with keeping Marquecas, but it seems like that, that's probably what, the, probably what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I think third base is worse than they think it is. It's probably, that's, that's what, that's where I think that comes from, but maybe I'm wrong. No, you could very well be right. I think long-term there are really a lot of question marks at a lot of these positions which is why, I don't know, I really don't think that they're as close. I, I say this all the time. I really don't think they're as close to competing as they, it seems like they think they are because you have so many of these questions that, at these key positions that we're talking about, but I think who knows? Right. No, I think I'm, I'm definitely in with you. and I think a lot of pundits, like a lot of people like us who do this uh, on a regular basis, are agreed. I, don't, I haven't seen anybody that I really trust that thinks the Braves are going to compete next year, like really mm-hmm. compete. Like yeah. maybe maybe be an 80, 80 to eighty five win team on the upside, but I haven't seen anybody that's going out and say because you know you probably you pretty much need ninety to make the playoffs and like I've seen nobody say this, that's a realistic scenario. Like maybe if they went all in and got a Chris Archer or Chris Sale in a trade or mm-hmm. uh, or even like Verlander or Granke, we'll get to later in the podcast. Maybe if they did that and added another bat, then sh- maybe if everything yep. falls perfectly into place, I just think that's pretty aggressive. But um. The second part of the Mark Bowman uh, mailbag that I thought was interesting was that uh, he was asked about guys like Aaron Blair, Matt Whistler, Tyrell Jenkins, Ryan Weber. Uh, oh, sorry, top prospect Ryan Weber. Top prospect Ryan uh, Weber. Rob Whalen and John Gant as starting pitchers. And essentially, Bowman uh, bailed on all of those guys as starters <laughs> except for Whistler and Blair. Like he, he did say that Gant and Jenkins specifically profile as potential like high-end relievers down the line, mm-hmm. but... Blair and Whistler were the only guys that he was personally willing to say are like actual starting candidates for this team long term, and that's kind of where I am on it. I've long been on the Jenkins as a reliever train. But mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting to say that he basically threw you know four or five guys uh, off the side of the boat in terms of uh, re- even in the near future projection, knowing the rotation is kind of barren for next year, that he still wasn't considering a lot of these guys. Yeah, and it's it doesn't surprise me having talked with Mark a lot about these pitchers personally and uh obviously mark is in touch with all these guys who are making decisions on a regular basis so i think that you might be able to look at that and see what kind of the organization thinks about these guys as well they maybe soured on them a little i think those those comments that mark had kind of echo comments that we've heard from copy this year about the starting pitching but uh no that doesn't surprise me at all i think these guys Obviously, they they've got some stuff. They showed some promise. There were people who believed in them at some point in their in their careers, and some people still do. And they probably have reason for that. But um, I think it's the right call here with with Whistler uh, as obviously the guy that I'm biggest on. I haven't seen Blair as much as you guys have, just because he wasn't pitching uh, last the last season when I was in Atlanta. This and year, I didn't see him this, too much this year. But like I know alert, he didn't this, have, this year was not good. Yeah, <laughs> I know this season wasn't that great, but uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Whistler, Whistler's again, like, I feel like until I see something from Whistler um, that really scares me, I'm still going to keep riding him because 
Like when he's on, he's really, really good. And again, the, the two times I saw him this year, he was really, really good. So I have faith that he's going to make a bounce back next year. How long? Um, do you, how long until you worry though? Because I think I've, I'm already hearing it from people that I trust that like Whistler may not may not even make rotation next year. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much they're worried about Whistler at this point. And I know you're yeah, higher on him than most people are, but like, are you at all concerned that he's not going to happen? Because like, I think you know, I'm, five ERA this year in 155 mm-hmm. innings, like it wasn't good again. No, I'm definitely concerned. I don't think you can just. I'm not going to just ignore that that year just happened. Obviously, I know it wasn't great. But I would be surprised if he wasn't in the rotation next year. Again, that's probably just because I'm high on him and, I, and I've and i seen him pitch well before. But I think next year is probably a make-or-break year. I know a lot of people said that it was a make-or-break year for him this season. But I'll give him until next year if, if I really don't see anything changing or any development with his uh, fastball command or maybe another off-speed pitch, some more consistency with his slider. Um, yeah, I think next year is probably going to be the make-or-break year for me. Ask me next year how I think what I think about Matt Whistler. I will certainly do that. Too. Don't, <laughs> you're not getting away with that from me. Uh, all right, let's uh, we can do Matt Whistler talk for an hour because that's just that's like your wheelhouse of all things. But, <laughs> uh, let's get to the mailbag. We've actually got two separate questions, but I'm going to combine them. I'm going to take some host prerogative. So shout out to at Trillionaire Zix and at Bill Buyan. I think is what it is. I'm a terrible pronunciation mm-hmm. person, but we basically were asked asked about two two uh, veteran trade candidates. One. Uh, is Justin Verlander because the Tigers are supposedly uh, entering a potential fire sale to cut payroll. And the other is Zach Greinke, who's been rumored a little bit in some trade stuff, uh, most famously with the Dodgers a year ago. I think Arizona would certainly be willing to trade him. Um, Two (laughs) guys there who are making a ton of money. Uh, Just for everybody who's who's listening to this, I think Carl already knows this, but uh, Verlander has three years remaining at $28 per season. Yes, that's per season. And Zach Greinke has five years remaining at $31.5 million per season, which is a startling total. Uh, either of these guys interest you in terms of guys you want to trade for knowing their contracts? And if you, if, they, if you are interested in them, would you be willing to pay top dollar in terms of prospects to get these guys knowing their contracts again? Okay. Um, I will say one of them interests me. And based on my comments about these pitchers in the past, it would probably surprise you if you knew because Zach Greinke has long been one of my favorite pitchers to watch. But Zach Greinke is not the pitcher who interests me in this situation. After doing a little bit of research and just seeing their their seasons and considering price, like all of this is kind of taken into context. But I would be more excited if the Braves went after Verlander than Greinke, to be honest. Uh, there was a really interesting piece that August Fagerstrom did with Fangraphs. You definitely need to be reading August if you you care about baseball in uh in some sort of depth and if you're listening to this i assume you do but um just talking about the mechanical adjustments that he made this season his fastball velocities back up he made an adjustment with his slider he's throwing a slider at the uh the highest velocity he has in his entire career and uh that actually turned out to be his best pitch this season um i think opposing hitters their ops against his slider was just 446 which is not very good. Uh, so I think he's made some adjustments to continue being an elite pitcher. Uh, and I feel safer in Verlander going forward than Greinke just because he's got that velo. Zach, Greinke's, Greinke's year was really bad. This is the worst year he's had since 2007 if you're going by uh, war and then 2006 if you're going by FIP. Like it was a really bad year for him. And all of his, like the velocity of his pitches are all basically identical 
to uh, his career. Like, there's nothing that really jumps out off the page to me that maybe shows some signs uh, to be concerned with. I know Chase Field was a, a pretty terrible place to pitch just because how, how much pitchers loved uh, the backs out there, I guess, the uh, the batter's eye. Apparently, it's really easy to hit there for whatever reason. Um, so I don't really know. Is that Granky's a little more worrisome for me, and that might be surprising to you. Uh, is that a maybe counter? Bit. No, I think a year ago, everybody would have taken Granky, even with the mm-hmm. contract, because Verlander was kind of scuffling, and because he, throws, he threw so hard and lost so much velocity and was struggling mm-hmm. that – uh, it was worrisome. I'm kind of with you, though. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Granky was suddenly good again next year. Um, yeah. But that, with the five years, that's what worries me is a five-year deal. Um, yeah, the, the, the money is, with yeah, you know, the, the money with Verlander doesn't doesn't really concern me too much because, again, and I might be just putting too much faith in in believing that he's going to continue being an ace-like pitcher. But just seeing this year and how well he did this year, it gives me faith that he's. He's one of those next-level pitchers that can really adjust and, and really sustain some success throughout his career. And I know Zach Greinke is a guy who's constantly tinkering with stuff, and I would be surprised if he had a 4.37 or an ERA around that again next year. Like, I do think he's going to be better, but that contract is just so much money. I know it's only a little bit more, but it's shorter on the years. It's a, I yeah, think it's two extra years, man. No, I think no given... Things. Given where um, Detroit is at this point, it seems like they're going to be sellers. I feel like the price for Verlander, considering his age, uh, will be less than Granke, especially considering how much the Diamondbacks invested in Zach Granke. Like, I feel like the package would be lighter. Maybe that's maybe that's incorrect reasoning for me, but I feel like Justin would be a, a better guy to go after than Zach Granke at this point. I'm with you on uh, basically all of that. My, my caveat would be, I won't believe Detroit selling until I see Detroit sell. Yeah, they that's always, fair too. They always do this, and the Tigers have a ninety-something-year-old owner in Mike Illich. I'm a Michigan fan, so I pay attention to a lot of people. Who, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people who like the Tigers. My dad was a Tigers fan growing up, so I follow the Tigers fairly closely. I can't imagine they actually do it until they do. But if mm-hmm. they if they were if they were going to blow it up, I would be all about trying to get Verlander, and I think. Given what the what the Braves do have this the stockpile, guys, this is what this is why you stockpile assets. You know, part of it is that obviously you want some of these guys to pop, but the other part is when you can when you can maximize a package and get an, an established elite talent, you do it. That's why you have a million of these guys. So if they can go out and get Verlander for a reasonable package, I would mm-hmm. I would be all about that. The age is a little concerning, and the fact that he's so heavily reliant on a fastball. But you mentioned the slider stuff; that's a good call there as a mm-hmm. reason to believe in Verlander. I mean, he's got three plus pitches with his curveball, the new slider, and his fastball back this year. He's, now he's awesome attacking hitters. Year, he's attacking hitters differently with his fastball, so I feel like it's playing up over the past calendar year last 365 days like i think in august this was written i'm going off of um august article as i mentioned earlier but he was the fifth best pitcher in baseball according to uh, fangrass war behind only kershaw arietta strasburg and noah Syndergaard. so that's obviously elite company and if you believe those adjustments uh can give him success going forward. I don't think there's any reason to think that he's going to all of a sudden just fall off completely again. Well, on the contract, but, you know, 28 million a year, again, it sounds, it sounds like a lot, but he doesn't have to be a 5-1 pitcher to earn that contract, which is what he was this year. He could take a step, a, you know, at least a half step back and still be just fine on 28 million a year for three years. That's, that's not that much. I mean, it is a lot of money again, but in terms of like the money, money versus production level that you need to justify a contract, 
mm-hmm. be a 3-1 pitcher and you're worth that contract. It's just what it is. So I'd be all about it. Again, this is not rumor stuff. This is stuff we were asked about and questioned and just opinions, not anything sourced. But I would certainly rather have Verlander on his contract and uh, certainly sign me up for a phone call between copy and uh, the Detroit front office if that comes to be because uh, that's a guy where if the Braves are serious about trying to compete, go out, you're going to need a frontline starter. That's something that I, I have not wavered on at all is that if they want to actually compete this year, having Julio Tehran is good, but you need another guy. It's 100%. Yep. You need another, another top 40 starting pitcher in the league to have any sort of chance to compete, and they don't have that right now. Yep, and the Braves could finally get an, an Upton back in their uh, in the fold. Upton with, here. Uh, there we go. And you know what's interesting with this? Kind of completely unrelated, but if you think about the teams Justin Upton has gone to, I'm just saying this because now he's with Detroit and they're selling – it seems like every team Justin Upton goes to, after he gets there, they sell everything. They're trying to rebuild. trade him. Yeah, I know. It was Braves, sell and rebuild. Padres, sell and rebuild. Yeah, Tigers, I mean, they're trying to do rebuild. it right now. Like he was actually, he, he's, he's been the impetus <laughs> of all he's that Detroit fire sell stuff is that his, his, his deal looks worse than Verlander because he was not great. I mean, really, uh, Upton did come on second half of this year, but he was a disaster terrible early on. in the first half. Yeah. So, uh, so I almost shout out Justin Upton. I almost included a question about Justin Upton, and I didn't want to get oh. down that rabbit hole because it was. Uh, wow. Can you imagine a defensive outfield with Matt Kevin Justin Upton? Oh dear God! Where do you, wow? Just no. picture that. Let's have Justin Upton playing center, oh, Matt Kemp in left, and Nick Marquez in right. There you go. Let's log off with that. With that <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. But <laughs> we're done. Be, I'm going to leave. Never come on the podcast. That would be rough. Um, Okay, that's enough of uh, speculative <laughs> trade talk time. Uh, yeah, I will get... say that either of those trades would be super exciting as someone who cares about the Braves. Like, oh yes, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, Granky. I mean, it's interesting. If if, if you told me that right now the, that the Diamondbacks traded Granky's full contract to the Braves <laughs> for, no, for nothing, essentially, like for like a C prospect just to dump the contract. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would You'd like. Be skeptical it. still? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be skeptical, but I isn't would, that like terrifying to think? But like, still, imagine saying that last year. Well, I'd still be excited though about having Zach Greinke on my baseball team. Yeah, like, and knowing full well that, like, right now, again, the core is so cheap. Uh, only Freeman makes real money. Aside, I mean, I guess, and Kemp, if he's part of the core, I guess he is at this point. Uh, only, mm-hmm. only, to, only those two guys really make money, and because of the the deals you're getting on guys like Julio. And Dansby for a while here, and Enciarte, like you can afford an overpay at pitcher. That's fine. Yeah, they do have some flexibility, which pointing towards that big that big move, like I was saying. Oh, SunTrust. By the way, I uh, I toured SunTrust Park like two days, oh, like, two, like two weeks ago. It was great. Yeah, uh, is it is it going to be really boring? As everyone's kind of worried about, yes. or at least I was. Yes, it is. is. It? Oh, that's so sad. That's my my only concern is that it's very Turner Fieldy in terms of like not a specific feature that's uh, unique. I do like the fact, spoiler alert, if people don't want to know this, whatever um, they've done. The <laughs> one cool thing I liked was um, it is smaller, which is that's, that's, that's publicly out there, which I do like that. It's more intimate, but mm-hmm. they, they've done this thing where they've hung all of the, uh, the division in um, NLC uh, and the uh, nationally pennants and the world series pennants on this giant pole in right field. And it's actually an old school, like really cool look that I really liked. Okay. Um, so there's a couple little things, but in the end, it, it's it is very cookie cutter in some ways, from what I could see. It's not finished, so that yeah. stuff could change. But um, I like it. 
I'm in on it. It's you know the boring the, breaks away. Yeah, the location stuff. I don't, I'm not even going to talk about again on this podcast. But the actual I think that deserves stuff, an entire podcast to itself. I've done it a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. All right, let's get off Central Park. Okay, um, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up with an interesting uh, prospect question that I took a minute and couldn't decide my answers. So I'm going to make you do it first. Uh, oh, at, wow. Tim Bostic, at Tim Bostic, a loyal listener who always has questions. Shout yeah, out shout out to Tim. He's always he's always in there. I like it. Uh, he asks us to name five prospects that are off limits in a trade, and he and he first says that Dancy Swanson doesn't count. Well, before I answer, before you answer, Tim, there are not five guys off limits in trade. That doesn't exist. But yeah, there there shouldn't be five players in baseball that are off limits in trades. Well, and especially you know. You know, I think it's pretty safe at this point to say that Dansby's off limits. Mm. Uh, for better or worse, like, there are certainly deals out there in the world where I would trade Dansby Swanson. The brands are not going to trade Dansby Swanson. It's not happening. They're not trading Dansby. But a- anybody mm-hmm. else, I think, is in play. But there's a couple of guys I would put on, the, I guess, this theoretical off limits trade for yep. me. So I'll let you go first. I'm, I'm down for the, uh, the hypothetical situation just to kind of go through it for, for its sake. So I like it. But. Uh, I guess the first three guys that jump off this to me are Kevin Maiton. Have we dis- decided how we pronounce his name? Because I feel like I always pronounce it wrong. We always do this, and I can never remember what the actual answer is. Eric Cole told me what the right answer was, and I apologize to Eric, but I've forgotten. I believe oh. I believe it's Maiton. Wait, go, Brad. I believe it's Kevin Maiton. Yeah, I think that's right. We'll go but, with Maiton. Uh, it's definitely Ton. It's not Tan. That I know. It's either Maiton or Maiton, and I can't remember which one. I'll go with my time. The, the, awesome, right, so, the awesome prospect is what I'll call him. Exactly, yeah. He is, I mean, you're not going to throw on best prospect out of Venezuela since Miguel Cabrera and not have this guy on my list just because his ceiling is, I feel like his ceiling is probably higher than anyone the Braves have in their system at this point. It's just a matter, matter of will he actually turn out to be that player. We don't have to go too far in depth into this. But my time, uh, and then the past two first picks that the Braves have had, with um, Ian Anderson in the 2016 draft and then Colby Allard in the 2015 draft. I feel like, from the Braves' perspective, the two guys they took first, first overall, they obviously think of very highly. And uh, these two guys might be the best pitching prospects they have in the system, um, at least as far as upside is concerned. So I'll throw those two on my list. And after that, it's, I guess, where, where it gets a little bit difficult. Um, I guess Ozzy Albies has to be on there because I'm assuming they're penciling him into the second base spot for the future. That's kind of an easy pick. So Ozzy, and then my last one, I don't know. This is, this one's tough. Part of me wants to put Tuki Tucson on there just cause I like him so much. Like I, I love his stuff, but he also is, I mean, he's like a, a coin toss as far as is he going to be in the majors one day? Um, so my last guy, I guess I'll be lame and say Sean Newcomb. That is lame. I'll tell you that right, right. now. Just cause I mean, he's, I guess he's the closest guy to the bigs that has that kind of, that is true. Maybe number, number two upside. I'm hesitant to even say number one. I don't know if that's possible, but he's had so, so many issues with his command that I'm a little skeptical, but He's closer than a lot of these guys, so I guess I'll I'll tab Newcomb as my last my last name. Yeah, what you got? Again, I want to say this just for a second time that this is, this is insane. <laughs> five, there are not there are not five guys, but yeah, uh, the system is not that good. My Myton is the only guy I think on the list. To be honest, mm-hmm. he actually makes the list. 
Uh, I think it's Swanson and Maiton, and that's the full list right yep. now. Um, yep. But aside from that, uh, I'll go with your same thought process on Allard and Anderson. Uh, those guys would be on there. I would I would throw Mike Soroka on. Okay. Um, that's probably that's probably probably the Eric Cole influence in my life. But mm-hmm. Eric loves Mike Soroka, and I trust Eric. So uh, I'll do that as my fourth guy. I'm not going to go Ozzy Albies. I think Ozzy Albies wow. should be traded. This is my hot take. Wow! Wow! So, okay. The blasphemy from Brad. Uh, I know we're 45 minutes. So people have probably logged off by now, so I'm safe to do this. Um, Ozzy Albies is worth more to other teams than he is to the Braves because Ozzy Albies is a shortstop. Oh, okay. I, I think I think that's Lonnie, a very that's a very smart hot take. Actually, I like it. I take back my blasphemy comment. I think, not to say that Ozzy Albies can't be a good second base because I think he can be, but I think in order for him for him to maximize his value in a vacuum, it would be playing shortstop because mm-hmm. he's not he's never going to hit for power. He doesn't have power. He's a speed guy. He's a glove guy, and I think him playing second base is fine, but if you can find a team out there that thinks he's a shortstop long-term and will pay you uh, in terms of uh, return as if he's a shortstop, mm-hmm. then you trade him. And that's that, that may not happen. They may they may have already just decided he's second baseman in the future, and that's, that's cool. But like that's the one guy at the top end of the system where I wouldn't be surprised at all if they traded him, like this offseason, for that reason. Wow. I think, okay. Well, because... Him along with Newcomb, they're both so close to the majors that once a guy hits the majors and he, if, if that guy fails, his value goes in the tank. True. So if you're talking about just pure value proposition, you want to sell high, unless you're sold on a guy, and they might be, they, they might be sold on Albies, which is mm-hmm. at which point this is all moot. But if they're not, you trade the guy before he gets to the majors because as soon as he gets there, if you're worried about him failing, his value goes away. So that's my that's a somewhat of a hot take, somewhat of a measured take, I guess. Yeah, Brad, Brad Roland, Ozzy Albies, doubter. A little bit, not not that I think he's gonna, I think he's going to be good, honestly. At second base, I think he, that. I mean, you I got think, Travis Demerit to fall back on. Well, no that's worries. yeah, you have Demerit, who people like, and Keith Law said some cool things about him recently. I talked about that last week on the podcast, but um, I just don't think unless you think Albies is going to be very very good at second base, which is fine. I you know. Long term, I think you might look to sell him. He's only 19, too. I mean, that's the other thing. He'll only be 20 <laughs> next year. And I'm not sure you want him to play right away at 20. Uh, most 20 year olds are not are not going to be good at, at the major league level. And I don't think I'm kind of on record thinking that Jace Pearson starts the year at second base and they mm-hmm. and they leave Ozzy on the minors. But if they do that, uh, you know, the trade window is open. I'm not saying they have to, but it's something they should <laughs> certainly consider. Point out to him. They go. I like it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, I, so I, is your five my ton two pitchers Albies and not the last Albies, one? not Albies. I'm oh, not Albies. Myself. Oh, uh, Soroka. Soroka was the other one. Yep, Soroka and Freed. Freed. Okay, I like Freed too. I debated on Freed over uh, Newcomb, but I went with Newcomb. I almost went with with Ryan Weber. Uh, Ryan Weber. <sighs> Honestly, we need to make it six just so we can put Ryan Weber on our list. Uh, I feel bad because Ryan Weber is probably a nice guy. He's probably fault. a really nice guy, but it's not his fault someone said he was the best prospect in the system or the oh, fourth best, whatever it was. My goodness. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, well, that's that's really going to do it in terms of topics um, for today. Is, is there someone that listens to the podcast that doesn't know the Ryan Weber joke after we've constantly made it, like every time I've been on the podcast? Probably somebody has to. Um, you can tell the quick story if you want people to not get upset about it. I don't it. know. I feel like they can just at me on Twitter if they want, it, if okay, they want the whole story. I feel like most people know it. Essentially... 
Brian Weber was overrated by a CrossFit list. That's the short, <laughs> the short one. That's the story. So Carl's can tell you which one offline. Um, yeah. Anyway. DMs. Well, uh, Carlos, I'm not sure if you have anything to plug, but you might. And I, I, no, I thought I thought something you can plug, so I'll plug it for you if you don't plug All it. Right. So I'll ask no, you. No, no, you go. No, go. Okay, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Carlos A. Colazzo, where I tweet about sports and things. <laughs> That's sad now. I'm done with my MLB internship. Uh, hopefully some things on the horizon. Got some uh, got some stuff in the works, potentially. I hopefully can announce something soon. But uh, until then, I'll be on Twitter for sure. What is the uh, plug the medium site with all your all your UNC guys? That, oh, that, that I is. Uh, oh, you joined it. Nice. Okay, I, I, so I enjoy it. It's great. It's good. Yeah, this is this is fun. It's uh, stories and glories. It's a site that one of the one of my friends at UNC who graduated a year before me. He started. Um, he worked at DTH with me. He was a sports writer, and uh, really actually got out of the field to become a teacher. But he wanted to keep writing about things. So. It's definitely a, I know it was a Grantland-inspired site on Medium, but we basically just write about whatever interests us. It's a lot of pop culture, a lot of sports. Um, yeah, and it's kind of flexing a different writing vein for me. So I've written there occasionally. I'm going to have some stuff there in the future. But if you get tired of just uh, straight-up sports stuff, head over to Stoglo so for some really good writing, I know. A lot of the guys uh, who write there are extremely talented writers. Some people who have written for Sports Illustrated, Washington Post, some big platforms. Um, but yeah, it's a fun site that explores a lot of different topics if you're interested in checking that out. Yeah, it's uh, the writing is very good, which is what uh, you went to it on, on Facebook. We are friends on there, so I saw a couple things and I've, uh, I've, I've bookmarked. It's very good. So go to that. Oh, I appreciate um, that, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. If you made it this far, congratulations. Uh, and also, uh, if you've not subscribed yet to the podcast, that would be huge for us. If you will leave a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe to, uh, first of all, that's the fastest way to get us. So as soon as, soon as I post the podcast, it will be in your feed. And also, if the, the review will really help us to grow. If you want the show to get better, uh, people want to come on it as guests if we uh, if we have more more. Uh, uh, ears to the podcast so please go ahead and do that and uh, also every single podcast is hosted at talkingchop.com where there's a little, also include like a little outline of what we talked about so do that uh, do all those things follow Carlson on twitter follow me on twitter at bt roland follow the site at talking chop uh, facebook at talking chop and uh, all those other things we'll be back throughout the off season uh, with a weekly podcast we might take a week or two off i have to say considering it's just the offseason that's what happens but we'll, ge- we'll generally be here and uh, i'm sure we'll hear from carlos again soon thanks for coming on man yeah brad thanks for having me all right guys stay tuned for next week and uh, as always thanks for listening